Coming up on Nurse Talk. What's happening in Flint? No press, no cameras, not if Progress Michigan has anything to say about it, and they do. 10,000 nurses strike in three states. Why? Stick around and we'll tell you. And don't wait, tell me now our weekly quiz. All this and more today on Nurse Talk. Welcome to Nurse Talk. I'm Casey Hobbs. And I'm Shane Mason, and we're two of the thousands of nurses on duty today. Shane, a great big thank you to all of our listeners on Progressive Voices Tune In and all of our broadcast partners. Now, did you say our producer was in Chicago? Does that mean we're free to say and do anything we want? No, it doesn't. She left me in charge, and I am much worse. Your bank balance is now $0.00. Have a nice day. Oh, she's right. That is much worse. Series much worse. Okay, we have a great show today. We're going to talk with Angela Bacchetti, an RN at Abbott Northwestern Hospital in Minnesota, where 5,000 RNs are staging a five-facility, seven-day walkout. Woof. At issue here and in two other states are unfair labor practices, safe patient care staffing, and workplace violence concerns. Additionally, the Alina Health Chain, which operates the Minnesota hospitals, is trying to erode nurses' currently affordable health care plans. Unfortunately, these are the issues that arise when health care is for-profit business, yet another reason for universal health care. And KCR friend Sam Engelot from Progressive Michigan is back with us to talk about what's happening with the Flint water crisis. I'm glad someone's talking about it because the media attention and public outcry have kind of slipped away. Boy, they sure have. And Shane, we might be talking with our executive producer, Patty Lockard, a little later in the show. She's at the People's Summit in Chicago. The summit is an opportunity to continue the progressive agenda that electrified so many during the presidential campaign. Of course, that revolution was led by presidential candidate Bernie Sanders. Yeah, and as nurses, we definitely support a universal health care system in our country, as do a whopping 67% of Americans. Oh, I just can't say that enough. 67% want to see Mm. universal health care. It's about time. So where do we go from here, Shane? Right into some trouble. I thought so. So you know how sometimes (laughs) you just need advice? Well, here's someone who seems to dish it out in spades. She's called the fruitcake lady. So listen up. You just might learn something. Hi, my name's Frank Lukoski. My question is, my girlfriend wants to talk all night after we make love. How do I get her to shut up so I can go to sleep? (laughs) Well, you see, you're like a hog. You're like a pig. You have your good time. Then you want to roll over and go to sleep. That's what you want to do, don't you? Well, maybe she'd just like to cuddle a little bit and talk a little bit. My God, can't you grant her that? You don't think so? You're a swan, you know that. Hi, I'm Zach. I'm from Hammond, Louisiana. And my question is, why do women get so offended when I check them out? Well, I mean, you know, there's certain things. I mean, maybe you just stare at them like an idiot. Maybe you just look like a damn idiot, you know? I mean, there's all kinds of ways to look at people. So you must... Do it in a very obnoxious way. <laughs> I'm Rick from Bowling Green, Kentucky. My wife is fat, but how can I get her to lose weight? What, what are you, I mean, you know, men are like you are so demanding. If you don't like her the way she is, and you think she's obese, why don't you set the example and lose weight yourself? That's the thing for you to do. If you want somebody else to change, change first yourself. Hi, my name is Nicole Roberts, and I'm from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. 
and more and more my husband is sitting down to pee on the toilet. Is this weird? <laughs> well, I mean, you must be a lazy <laughs> <laughs> To sit on the toilet and let it hang down. That shows how lazy he is. He doesn't want to stand up there like a man, put the toilet top up and hold on to his like anybody else. No, that's a lazy. Hi, I'm Carrie from Napa Valley, California. My question is: Is it fair? that my girlfriend calls me a wimp just because I don't watch football? Well, yes, I think you're a wimp because, I mean, yes, yes, I do. All right, so she's hilarious. She is hysterical. So why would you let your girlfriend know that you sit down on your pee? That's what I want to know. <laughs> well, she probably problem. saw it is the problem. Yeah. All right, so it all began when Michigan Governor Rick Snyder decided to switch the Flint water system to the Flint River to save some money, and now thousands of people have been poisoned and some are dead. In a moment, we're going to talk with Sam Inglot from Progress, Michigan. Sam was with us in February to talk about the Flint water crisis, and for those of you who may not have heard about this tragedy, Flint, Michigan lies about 70 miles from the shores of the largest group of freshwater bodies in the world, the Great Lakes. Yet, its residents can't get clean water from their taps. Nearly two years ago, the state decided to save money by switching Flint's water supply from Lake Huron, which they were paying the city of Detroit for, to the Flint River, a notorious tributary that runs through town known to locals for its filth. Sam, thanks so much for being with us today. Hey, thank you for having me. So we talked last in February. Uh, what's happening now with Flint? Because it's completely out of the news and, you know, you're not getting any press. Yeah, well, you know, I would say that, you know, the Flint water crisis is still very much a daily reality for the, the people that live in the city. And like you said, you know, the, the national spotlight and, and the international spotlight and kind of the 24-7 news coverage that we were used to seeing several months ago has obviously faded away. But, you know, local activists on the ground and, and statewide allies like ourselves are, are still working on a regular basis to combat the effects of the crisis and make sure that people have the resources and, and information they need. Um, but, you know, even worse than the, the media coverage dropping off and really the kind of the public spotlight falling away from this crisis and how it's affected these families is the fact that it's really kind of fallen off the priority list for uh, our Republican legislature and governor as well. Um, but uh, so, the, you know, the crisis continues, unfortunately, but um, we are kind of seeing some progress on the ground just in terms of folks organizing, um, staying active. But like I said, it's, it's still very much a daily reality that people are dealing with. So what is being done and what isn't being done that needs to be done to eradicate this water contamination? The folks in Flint want the pipes replaced. Um, the, the Flint Rising uh, Coalition, which uh, is a, a coalition of, of community groups and statewide organizations that are, again, working to, you know, at the effects of this crisis, There's, Flint Rising put out a, a list of demands, and number one was complete pipe replacement. And, and that just has not been happening. Pipe replacement has been happening at a, at a completely sluggish rate. Chris Savage over at Eclecta blog, uh, which is a great progressive blog, I would encourage everybody to read it. He's had a going tally since Governor Snyder has admitted there's been a problem with Flint and how many pipes his administration has been directly responsible for fixing. And that number is at 261 days as of today, um, which it's, 
it's frankly just shocking how, how slow that process has been. And then there's been a recoding process where they've been putting a certain phosphate into the water to try to recoat these pipes, um, which folks like Mark Edwards um, and folks in the state say will be one of the most efficient ways to, you know, recoat these damaged pipes that were uh, ripped apart by that corrosive water that was being filtered untreated into people's homes. And But the problem with that is you need people using the water to have enough water pressure throughout the system so that coating process can take place. And the thing is, people just don't trust the water, and rightly sure. so. I mean, they've been lied to at every, at every turn for the past few years, and they've just been systematically ignored by the administration and the MDEQ. So they're not using the water. People are still living, in a lot of cases, off of bottled water. And you, you see polling that shows people just don't trust the water, and, and right now they don't trust the government. And, and who can blame them when right. you know, they were exposed to a neurotoxin for years? Um, so the, the recovery process is still very slow. It's, it's, it's kind of trudging along. Um, you know, there's, there was recently uh, a supplemental bill that was um, basically lobbied for by residents of Flint and, and was passed by the legislature right before they went on summer vacation for $114 million. So, you know, that's a little bit um, that will hopefully uh, over the summer go towards, you know, replacing pipes. Uh, fixing the infrastructure and getting people the services that they need. Well, Sam, is there any talk of ousting Governor Rick Snyder? Is he just too rich and powerful to be touched? Because he's the the one who decided all of this, and he seems to have skated free. Yeah, you know, it, it, luckily there are still some investigations going on. Uh, the Department of Justice is investigating um, the entire situation. Our Republican Attorney General Bill Schuette, uh finally decided once all the, the cameras started rolling around, um, you know, the national TV cameras, once they started to come around, he decided to launch his own investigation. Um, so we'll, we'll see what, what those come up with. Um, and I know that there have been, there's, uh, been some recall efforts as well against Governor Snyder. But, you know, they've really done this. It's been a tap dance for Republicans in the state, including Governor Snyder, since, this be, since the beginning. They've been continuously trying to shift the blame yes. away from the policies that they created. We have to remember that. The reason this happened was because of emergency management in Flint. Local democracy was literally usurped by an appointed official who only responded to Governor Snyder. And even Governor Snyder's own Flint Water Task Force, which is made up of environmental groups and, you know, local Flint leadership and Democrat and Republican, both sides of the aisle, they laid the blame of this squarely at the feet of Governor Snyder and his emergency manager law. There are a lot of people that would love to see, you know, Governor Snyder out of office and, you know, a lot of folks even in handcuffs. Um, but we're going to wait and see what, what these investigations roll out with. Um, but this is just a lesson to folks that, you know, this, this concept of running government like a business, whether it's Rick Snyder or, or Donald Trump, it's going to have serious problems. And, and not just problems with, you know, balancing the books, but a, a very real human cost. And we've seen that play out in Flint. And that's what's so perplexing about this idea of, you know, government so small you can drown it in a bathtub. Uh, Lonnie Scott, our executive director, has this saying that Republicans like to say that government is broken and then they govern to prove it. And that, I think that's, boy, that's a perfect so example of what happened here in Flint. Yeah. You know, government's a tool and it all depends on who's using that tool. And Rick Snyder is, you know, responsible for this crisis and, and the, the legislature is really responsible for not holding him accountable. 
All right, Sam. So what can uh, our listeners do? What can people in the country do to help? Well, I, I would say, you know, with just continue to pay attention um, and, and continue to support people on the ground in Flint. Uh, you can go to flintrising.org, which is a brand new website that we've just launched, and that features the stories of, of the activists and, the, and the, the local leaders in Flint. Who, and, and I would encourage people to share those videos. So we need to keep people's attention on Flint. We need to keep, but not just on Flint, but on this issue, too, of, of, of good government and investing in our infrastructure and operating our public services responsibly. And, and that's where people really need to be active in their own communities and, and working to hold their elected, uh, local elected and state leaders accountable. You know, there's that saying that all politics is local. And, you know, people in Flint had their local government taken away from them, and that's why this happened. So go to FlintRising.org. Um, and just share the, the stories of folks in Flint and, and you know, pay attention to your own communities. Uh, you're so right about that, Sam, this bit of the emergency management, and that's done under Republican tutelage, which uh, they're very fond of doing, and it's always to the poorer communities, and it really isn't something that helps anybody. So thank you so much, Sam, for all that you're doing. We really appreciate your time. Hey, thank you, and I appreciate you uh, always keeping this issue of focus on your show. It's the, the people of Flint appreciate it as well. Absolutely. Thank we'll you. have this posted up on the website. We've been talking with Progress Michigan's Sam Englett. For more information about the Flint water crisis in Progress Michigan, visit progressmichigan.org. Thank you for your work on behalf of the people of Michigan, Sam. It's important work. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. day, safety was your responsibility. You either held tight or you went through the windshield. Now it's time for In My Day with comedian Lynn Ruth Miller. Sit back and enjoy a walk down memory lane with a twist of spice included. And now, In My Day. In my day, my mother made her own baby shampoo from Castile soap and water. She kept a jar of it at the ready in case we woke up with crusty eyelids. If you wouldn't have those disgusting dreams, she'd say, you wouldn't get all this crud on your lids. How do you know they were disgusting, I asked. You talk in your sleep, said my mother. Now shut your eyes. When my father caught his boxers in his zipper, my mother got out the baby shampoo. I might as well get the rest cleaned up while I'm down there, said my mother. I never knew it bothered you, said my father. What bothered you, I asked. You'll find out soon enough, said my mother. Now get the baking soda to mix with this. While I'm at it, I might as well clean the faucet. What faucet, I said. You do as you're told, said my mother, and turn your head. When I went for my first job interview, my mother said a person is judged by the condition of his shoes. But I'm applying to be a lifeguard, I said. We don't wear shoes at the pool. You aren't going to go barefoot to that interview, are you, said my mother. Bring me the baby shampoo. You have spots on your sandals. Those are my toes, I said. Do you want that job or don't you, said my mother. There isn't any more baby shampoo, I said. I used the last of it for my bubble bath. You squandered my baby shampoo in the tub, said my mother. No wonder you're unemployed. My mother used baby shampoo for everything but washing her own hair. She went to the beauty shop for that. She made us use it, though, because it was cheaper than the stuff in the drugstore. I'm grown up now, I said. Why can't I wash my hair in regular shampoo? When you have a job, you can buy your own beauty products, said my mother. 
I'll mix up another batch of baby shampoo to clean up those toes. I wonder if I can get a Band-Aid big enough to cover that rash. And this is Lynn Ruth Miller under the dryer with another edition of In My Day. You're listening to Nurse Talk, where laughter's the best medicine. Welcome back to Nurse Talk. I'm Casey Hobbs, along with Shane Mason, and we are two of the thousands of nurses on duty today. As U.S. hospital corporations continue to acquire and merge with other hospitals around the country, a picture of power and profit emerges. But for the millions of RNs and healthcare workers whose professions and ability to provide safe patient care is at stake, the ability for the nurses and others in the profession to bargain in good faith is coming under fire. Roughly 10,000 National Nurses United nurses in three states will strike this week in California, Minnesota, and Massachusetts. The nurses are striking over health care, staffing, and patient safety issues. Here with us is RN Angela Bacchetti from Abbott Northwestern Hospital in Minnesota. Angela, welcome to Nurse Talk, and thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me. Sure. So before we start, we'd like to know how long you've been a nurse and what got you into our profession. I've been a nurse for eight years at Abbott Northwestern, and I currently do rapid response critical care nurse. And I've always enjoyed looking at nurses. You know, I've had nurse line in my family, so it's been a very big passion of mine. And I'm glad I can do what I love to do every day. That's fantastic. So, Angela, 10,000 nurses striking in three different states. Tell us, what are the primary issues? There's three main primary issues that are currently, you know, happening in Minnesota that I can tend to. Health insurance is one. Safe staffing is a critical issue that continues to need to be addressed by our employer. And then patient safety, you know, and the workplace violence safety. That's something that needs to be addressed with the increasing, you know, situations that are coming across the nurses across this country today. Excellent. So how long do you anticipate the strike's going to last and what is the outcome that you're looking for? The strike will last starting at 7 a.m. this Sunday and will last for seven days. And, you know, what we would love to get out of this is to have our employer line of health actually come back and sit and negotiate with us. And they haven't been wanting to do that. They've been, you know, digging their healing heels in and say, this is about health insurance. We want to eliminate your plan. So, you know, the nurses are prepared to do this. We, you know, we need to protect our practice and try to advance it, but also protect our patients. So what we're hoping to get out of this is that they'll come back and actually sit down and negotiate with us. Boy, wouldn't that be a lovely breath of fresh air to sit down and negotiate with the nurses? Because after all, you know, I always hear from these conglomerates that, oh, you know, nurses are their biggest expenditure. Without nurses, they literally do not have a product. They do not have a hospital that can open. So let's talk about what are hospitals doing to get around proper staffing? And is it a practice or is it a rare exception? Today, even, we're short-staffed at Everett Northwestern, and we continue to get unsafe staffing from the nurses you know, in our area. And we bring it to the employer. And sometimes they address if it's critical enough and sometimes they don't. So, you know, when we bring staffing ratios to the employer, they didn't want to address it. And I asked them if there's a staffing problem in their hospitals and they wouldn't answer the question for me. Mm. You know, they're continuing trying to bring this electronic acuity tool to us. And I asked them, how, w- how will this solve the staffing problem? And they couldn't answer the question. And I was very front with them and then said, if you want nurses to even consider this proposal, we need to solve the staffing problem. And if this doesn't solve it, then it's of no interest to us at this time. So it's a huge concern and critical. You know, I'm walking around the hospital today and to look at the preparations they're making for the strike that's occurring tomorrow morning, you know, they're bringing in all these forces from outside when actually if they could just provide the staff on a day-to-day basis, this wouldn't be needed at this time. And that's very upsetting for the nurses here today. 
I'm sure. What would you say to someone listening that isn't a nurse and might think that the nurses are striking for more money? And I think that's, you know, a very good question that they should be asking their nurses. You know, what we've asked Alina to do is just to sit down and negotiate. You know, they say they want to cut $10 million from our health insurance to the media. But when we asked them at the table, they said it's not about cost. So we're getting very conflicting messages. And I think anyone in the public wouldn't agree to take a pay cut in their benefit package. And that's exactly what Alina is doing, you know, for us to even consider anything from our employer. They really need to provide the data. Are our plans not sustainable or are they too expensive? We just don't know that because they won't provide the data for us. So I think as the public, I don't think anyone would want to take that cut in their benefit package. But ultimately, we're sticking up for affordable health care for everyone. Everyone deserves great plans that has that coverage when they need it most in their lives. So, you know, patients in the public need to hear that. And it's so important, Angela, because in order for you to take care of your patients, you have to have good health. And it, exactly. it, it galls me that our profession is taking care of people and then they want to short us with our health care, mm-hmm. you know. And so the nurse that's working who doesn't have health care is working injured or working sick because she doesn't have adequate coverage. And that that's just unacceptable in today's marketplace, especially when hospitals have bigger profits than ever before. Exactly. You know, they say we use the emergency room too much. But in actuality, if we're here for 16 hours and we get injured or hit, you know, by a patient that's, you know, violent situation, there's no other opportunity but for us to go to the emergency room. And we continue to be at the source of infection. You know, we just had nurses infected with the TB not too long ago here in Minnesota. So it continues to be up front. So we need that affordable health care. Otherwise, you're right. Just like you said, we'll come in here not be at the best of health, and that won't be good for our patients in the long run. And then that's the whole staffing issue as well, because if a nurse is sick or out or working sick, that leads to the staffing problems. And so I want people to understand who aren't nurses that this Mm -hmm. does affect you directly. If you don't have proper staffing on the floors, uh, Mm -hmm. you're going to get shorted. You know, your critical needs are going to go unmet because your nurse is not healthy enough to care for you and there's not enough of them on the floor taking care of you. So it is a critical issue for patients as well as it is for the nurses at hand. Exactly. You know, nurses are very compassionate and we continue to do so. And we always try to tell the patients and put that front on. But in actuality, you know, it's a daily occurrence where we're running understaffed on our units and patients ultimately are put at risk with that. And that's not appropriate and something that health companies need to address at this time. Absolutely. Anything else you'd like to share with us? I think I just want to point out, you know, Minnesota nurses and as well as the two other systems, you know, states are going on strike. This is what we're doing for our practice and the patients, you know, are at the forefront in our minds. And it's very upsetting that we have to do this. But, you know, when employers aren't listening to us and addressing the various concerns that are happening to our patients in the community, this is the next step. And I think, you know, nurses were compassionate. We've continued to um, forefront our practice and our patients. Thank you so much, Angela. Thanks for your years as a nurse, but also for your years of advocating for your patients. It's really important. We appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. Again, the strike involves three states, Minnesota, California, and Massachusetts. For more information, visit nnu.org. We are nurses, so we cannot diagnose, prescribe, or treat. But listen to us anyway, because we like to talk. (laughs) Okay, so we're going to take a call from a listener now. Are you ready for this, Maggie? Yes, anything. Hi, who's on the line, please? This is Judy. Hey, Judy, what can I do for you? Uh, Is this a nurse? This is a nurse. Okay, I have a question. Okay, good, shoot. 
Okay, I have a friend, and she has shingles. Okay. And she was told that she can't be around her grandkids when she has an outbreak. Okay. Is that true? Well, now, what do you think about that, Maggie? I would say, here's the thing. If you keep the shingles covered, if you were to cover the shingles, yes, she could be around them. And are the shingles on the roof or on her body? They're all over her body. Yes. Her body. If, she, if they're it. all over her body, she's dead. If they're all over her body, she's dead? I don't yeah, think the, so. Yes, you can't have them. They're only on one side, Kissy. That's true. It's only, it follows a nerve root. Yeah. Yeah, so she should keep the shingles covered and then she can be around. But of course, as you know, we're nurses and yeah. we can't. And she has, she'll have so much pain and discomfort, she won't want to be near a grandchild anyway. That's oh, there's right. that. That's right. That's true. But if she's feeling okay, she can be with the grandkids. Well, as long as the grandkids aren't crawling all over her. Okay, so if they touch the rash... That's no good. You don't want to touch it. Okay. So Um, did we answer your question, caller? Yes, thank you very much, and I appreciate it very much. Thank you. Laughter is the best medicine, although we didn't give you anything to laugh about there. uh, All right, bye-bye. (laughs) Bye-bye. We'll be right back with our weekly quiz, Don't Wait, Tell Me Now. Stay tuned. When I'm out here on the prairie, I listen to Nurse Talk Radio. Because? laughter is the best medicine. It goes well with pork and beans as well. (laughs) Is that a real wolf? (laughs) Okay, it's time to play Don't Wait, Just Tell Me, our Nurse Talk weekly quiz. It's multiple choice, and we practically spoon-feed you the answers, so here we go. So who do we have on the line today? This is Leah. Hi, Leah. How you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. All righty, we're going to get right into the questions. We recently did a story on a therapy called encapsulation. This therapy will help persons with what disease? Number one, multiple sclerosis. Number two, cancer. <laughs> number three, type 1 diabetes. And number four, rheumatoid arthritis. Are you laughing, Shane, because of the music in the <laughs> yeah, background? Yeah, that's yes. intense, man. So, so, Leah, did you get that? Yes, I did. And what would be your answer? That would be three, type 1 diabetic. Wow, oh. beautiful. You are one smart little yeah, cookie. Yeah, because there's no way she listened to the show. So. <laughs> <laughs> so type 1 diabetes is that right. Encapsulated beta cell replacement therapies could be a game changer. They could liberate people with type 1 diabetes from the burdens of managing their disease all day, every day. These therapies involve wrapping insulin-producing islet cells in a protective barrier before implanting them into the body. Good job, Leah. All right, number two, a woman named Daphne Self is somewhat of a legend. She's nearing 90 years old and still working. What's her profession? Number one, she's a nurse. Number two, a marketing executive. Number three, a teacher. Or number four, a fashion model. What do you think? I'm going to go with number three. A teacher, huh? Absolutely not. It is number four, a fashion model. Don't you love it that she's almost 90 and she's being a fashion model? Why does she model coffins? (laughs) Well, actually, Daphne is a fashion model. She's hitting the catwalk in her eighth decade. Daphne is undeniably unusual. It's a mindset in my head. I feel about 60. You've got to keep an interest in life. And I think a lot of people have lost that. Be curious is my favorite saying, says Daphne. She recently walked in the London Fashion Week show to a sea of applause. 
That's All very, right, isn't yeah. that nice, Leah? Don't you like that? <laughs> yeah, that is, I, you know, I should have gone with that one, actually. Uh, that is quite extraordinary. That is right. extraordinary. Now i got to go look her up and see what she looks like. All right, question number three. Recently, Oprah bought stock in Weight Watchers. She did a commercial for them that says, I lost 27 pounds eating my favorite thing every day. What is her favorite thing? Number one, bread. Number two, pasta. Number three, cheeseburgers. Or number four, money. (laughs) (laughs) What do you guess on that one? Oh, I'm going to go with number two. Which was? Number two? Pasta? Pasta. Close. Bread. Bread. It's all the same. Bread. Bread, bread, bread is her number one favorite thing. (laughs) Very good, Leah. So bread, Oprah loves bread and says she can eat what she wants and still can lose weight. It's all about portion control and guilt-free eating. Thank you so much for playing with us, Leah. We really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for the opportunity, guys. All right, great. Even though you didn't win anything. Thank you, Leah. You're welcome. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Nurse Talk. Thank you to our executive producer, Patty Lockard, sound engineer and engineering June Miller, and JMC Sound, Taylor Lockard, for her research, and all of our other broadcast partners. And thanks to National Nurses United and all the nurses on duty today, and of course, our listeners and guests. Take care and visit us at nursetalksite.com or like our Facebook page at Nurse Talk. Thanks for listening to Nurse Talk, where laughter is the best medicine. Brought to you by National Nurses United. Check us out on Facebook or go to our website at nursetalksite.com. For more information about National Nurses United and the California Nurses Association, visit nationalnursesunited.org. Until next week, remember, laughter is the best medicine.